Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on worship, looking upward. Now here is Pastor Bill. Hey, well, welcome home. How's Portland Christian Center doing this morning? Turn to the person next to you and say, I haven't sit next to you for a long time. It's good to see you again. Yeah. Of course, if you're sitting next to someone who lives in your home, that may have been a stretch, but uh, glad we got you back together. On uh, March the 18th, Friday at 1 p.m., we will be uh, remembering and celebrating the life of Judy Stokes, who went to be with the Lord just a few days ago. And you'll remember that March the 18th, that's in a couple of weeks at 1 p.m. here. I'm so jazzed to be here this morning. Um, I went downstairs during this new schedule and was able to uh, connect with the students of our church. And they were learning how to pray or they were being taught about prayer in groups and how to pray out loud. And uh, several of them led in prayer out loud for everyone to hear. I don't know when you ever did that, if you've ever done it, but it can be very intimidating. But I want you to know that the students of this church, sitting many of them right here, were not ashamed to declare the will of God, pray over you, pray over the next pastor, pray over the board, pray over the leadership of the church. I was so inspired. In fact, I thought to myself, these kids are praying better than many adults pray. They were all in, and uh, I just, it was a thrill to be a part of that. Listen, welcome home. When I was a kid, some of you uh, went to Sunday school. They had us put our hands together like this, right? And then they had us go like this. You got that? And then they said that this is what they taught us. This is the church, and this is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the Try it. Okay, everybody, let's just try this, all right? So I didn't learn that in Sunday school. Well, you went to the wrong Sunday school, I'm telling you. So let's try You put your fingers together like this. Come on, Pastor Rick, put your fingers together. Get off your phone. All right. He was checking the score of the Blazers. They lost. All right. Put it together like this. Everybody got it? You with me? Now, some of you I know, this is, low, oh, this is elementary. I thought I came to a very sophisticated church. No, you didn't, so come on. This is the church, say it with me. This is the church, and this is the steeple. Open the doors, see all the people. Wow. If you forget everything else, at least you learn something you can take home and teach to your, your uh, family, your neighbors, whatever. Hey, we went to a church, the pastor got up and taught us this deep theological point. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors. See all the people. Jesus made a very powerful prophetic declaration in the book of Matthew. Uh, And he said it only there, but he was setting the course for the future. And I love people who have uh, an insight to the future, right? I've listened all week to have so many voices of people who think they know what the future holds about what's going on in the world. I've listened to very educated people who've described end times and, uh, and tried to, uh, de- to determine who is where, when, who the Antichrist is, who the little Antichrists are, all of that. I, I've been in meetings all week long, various meetings of all kinds, 
And everybody would like to know what the future looks like. Uh, the university I'm on the board with is all concerned about enrollment next year because fewer and fewer graduates from high school are going to college. This is across the country. And part of that is that the birth rate has dropped so much in this season of time that uh, this last uh, couple of decades that that's affected it. So people are all wanting, this is what Jesus said. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Some of you, go ahead, yes, amen. And some of you have read it a different way and you like it better because you love to be able to say a word that you normally don't say. Jesus said it, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? I kind of like that one, that, uh, th that seems stronger. If you're wanting to know, hell and Hades are the same place, all right? They're a description. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it or overcome it. I hadn't been in this building really on a regular basis for many, many years. I'd only come actually twice from the time that Joy and I had left Portland Christian Center to take a new assignment in Olympia. You all know that I was fired from this church once. You all know that? Yeah, yeah, some of you were behind. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I, this is the only church where I was told, hey, we don't need you anymore. It's the only church, but that's okay. That's not, I'm just telling you that so you know that what I'm gonna say is more significant to me. And so I hadn't been in the church only twice, once for a memorial service for a dear friend of mine. I, I, Joy and I came back from Olympia, Washington, where we went, and once for a, a prayer conference that the National Office of the Assemblies of God had arranged to be held here, and I still remember it. And so I, that was the last two times I'd been here, and it'd been many, many years. And I was invited, I was 35 years old, Joy was around the same age, and we, we were invited to come uh, and uh, meet with the board because they were searching for a pastor, similar to what we're doing right now. And some of you know this story, but I'll just repeat it for those who don't. I, I can't, we came, we flew in from California, where we then lived, and uh, I hadn't been on the property for several years. I hadn't been in the sanctuary for several years. And we, uh, before we had the meeting with the board, uh, I walked through that door over there and walked out onto this platform. It was designed a little differently. It was, it was dark initially, but I found a light switch and turned on some lights, and I stood here all by myself in an empty building. Um, an empty building. And I looked around and I thought, do I wanna bring my family here? Do I wanna move from where we live? We just purchased a house. Do I wanna step into this ministry? And the Holy Spirit quickened me. And he said, in his way of speaking to me, he speaks to you perhaps differently. He doesn't audibly speak to me uh, very often. But once in a while, he will, in my spirit, speak to me. Have you ever had this experience? I hope you have this experience. And this is what he said. Welcome home. Welcome home. Why would the Lord say welcome home to a place that seemed to carry with it some defeat? 
because the Lord had in mind a new chapter in the life of Bill and Joy Wilson and their three kids. And he also had in mind a response to the prayers of God's people who said, Lord, send us the right person and help them to sense that this is the right place for them. There's something about going somewhere when there is a welcome home sign. There's something about walking into a place that you have been disconnected from and you feel welcomed. Of course, people feel that way every week who step onto this campus, who come for the very first time. They're very, very anxious. And I would be too. What's behind those glass doors? What's, what's, what's gonna happen when I step in? Will I be viewed as a welcomed guest or will I be ignored because they don't know me? You've all been in those uncomfortable moments and I have felt like the Lord is saying to us, welcome home. So that's the umbrella of what we will talk about. One of the things that I think we all recognize is when you welcome home, we wanna make sure that we're part of a healthy church a healthy church. And I, for the next few weeks, I want to talk about aspects or uh, ex experiences, yes, but specifically, uh, I want to talk about those things, those virtues that make a church healthy. Are you with me? Yeah. And this morning, I'd like to focus in on one. Uh, there'll be others to come. And I've asked uh, a very dear friend of mine who is a brilliant, brilliant mind, and he's spoken here a few times to help us in this series. And one of the team members is going to help us with this series because we're going to look at some virtues that everyone needs to understand are really the keys to healthy churches. In my role now, in my other job, uh, is to be around a lot of church settings and to in some cases, diagnose or to, uh, to assess for the, the purpose of helping a church look towards health. So what I'm going to share with you today is one of those qualities that I think are very, very important. And I've titled it Worship Looking Up. Worship Looking Up. And I want to go to John chapter 4. Uh, John chapter 4. As we begin some of these mainstays of a healthy church. John chapter 4, I'll begin with verse 4. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. You can read that verse very quickly and not get it. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He didn't need to go through Samaria, but he had to go through Samaria. And it goes on to say, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, or Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was, because Jesus was both human and divine, he experienced what you experience. He was tired as he was from the journey and sat down by the wall. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, which is unusual, but this is the, the context, she came at noon. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. I'm reading a rather long 
passage here, but I want you to catch the the storyline. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did our, 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 also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, help me with this word, again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. (laughs) Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man you're now have is not your husband. What you have said just is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. I guess so. Wouldn't you say that? Somebody started reading your history and your mail and talking about your past. I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on that mountain. So now the conversation changes away from her pain, away from her hurt, away from her embarrassment, away from her shock of personal uh, awareness of what she has done, the revelations. And she, she says, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that you, the place to worship is in Jerusalem. That's a paraphrase there. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, if I was underlining any verse, I'd underline this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I'm the one speaking to you. I am he. Wow, wow, wow. Now I read, you know, in preaching class, they they tell you not to read too much. I read a lot, but I wanted you, for some of you, that's the most Bible you've read all week. And others of you, this is just a little bit, right? Okay. It's about worship. It's about worship. It's about looking up. Healthy churches worship God. Healthy churches look up. That's a virtue we can never forsake. Worship. Worship. Pastor Jason, when I was a youth pastor, 
in Los Angeles, California, North Hollywood First Assembly, the tradition was, we had more than one service, the tradition was we all sat on the platform in our black suits on Sunday morning. That meant that as the pastor was speaking, our instruction was to not be looking over the audience to see who's listening, but to keep our eyes fixed on the pastor. That meant whatever he said, however long the service was, we would sit up there. We had to learn to sit up straight, not wear white socks with our black suits. We had to dress appropriately. And the Lord uh, disciplined me because as you know, most of you know that I, it's hard for me to sit still. It has been since kindergarten. So I was sitting there and our pastor, wonderful man, D. Leroy Sanders, great visionary, church of several thousand, big prayer meeting with thousands of people coming from all walks of life every Monday night, tra tra trained me a lot in just watching him. He never, he never brought me aside and said, I want to teach you something. I just watched him. Our pastor, um, at the end of a great sermon, turned and said, would you take your hymnals, they were hymn books, song books, as we called them, in the pews in front, in the racks, in the chairs. Would you take it and turn to 325? And I remember I, ha I grabbed one and I started, because I knew what was going to happen next. He was going to turn to me and say, Bill, would you come and lead this great hymn of worship? You got this? So I'm quickly trying to find the song. Then I'm, this is what I'm praying in these few seconds. Lord, help me to know it. Because I looked to see where the musicians were and there were none to be found. I later found out they were at Denny's drinking coffee. That's what I found out. So the keyboardist who normally would cover a multitude of sins with volume was not there. And I remember what happened next. I will never forget. Worship, worship is more than just words in a book. The personal encounter regarding worship, isn't it interesting that of all the encounters Jesus had, and John tells us there were many miracles, many events, this one has been preserved for you and I to read. This particular encounter that Jesus has here in the 33 years on earth is recorded for us. And he makes the statement, he says in verse 24, God is spirit and in his worship must we must worship in the spirit and in truth. The personal encounter regarding worship. It is a personal thing. Worship is, just as a point of clarification, has a slight uh, focus, a slightly different focus than praise. Worship is in the original language means worth-ship, worth-ship, attributing worth to. Worship is acknowledging and being in awe of who God is. Praise is more of what God has done for me. I praise your name for providing for me. I praise your name for giving me a wonderful wife. I praise your name for the car still running after all those miles. I praise your name that my kids got through school. I praise the name that you healed me. Yes, those are all good things to praise the Lord about. But worship isn't about what God's done for you. It's about who God is. You got that? That's, that's what it is. 
And Jesus is revealing that God is a spirit. And if you're going to worship him, which is a key to a healthy church, we focus not on human beings around us or what God's done for us. We should praise him for that. But we worship him for who he is, almighty God, almighty God. I, I hope you've been in the presence of God in a special way. It's a great place to live. I try to practice the presence of God. And what I mean by practicing the presence of God, to acknowledge that when I wake up, it's not, dear Lord, it's morning, but good morning, Lord. It's, it's that spirit in us that acknowledges that God is almighty and that he is wonderful. And in his presence, we find just like this woman did, she's in the presence of Almighty God in the form of Jesus. So the woman talks about ethnic differences right from the get-go, but Jesus teaches about everlasting provision. The, the woman talks about human limitations, but Jesus talks about divine liberation. The woman talks about logistic traditions, but Jesus teaches about loving fulfillment. The woman talks about human religion. But look what Jesus does. He talks about divine relationship. The woman talks about the one who is coming. And Jesus says and teaches, I'm the one who is coming. The woman talks about the location of worship. And Jesus talks about a life of worship. Hallelujah. He says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit, in the spirit, and in truth. True worship is about expressing our deep love and affection for the Lord. It's not a religious exercise. It's not just gathering together to sing a few songs and then feel like we've, it's a, it's a lifestyle of acknowledging who God is. And to live in that presence is awesome. There's no better place to be. Well, what's the practical emphasis regarding worship here? Well, first of all, I want to just say all of us are wired to worship. We're all wired to be worshipers. Anthropologists tell us that worship is a universal urge. There have been many people who've written on this and people who've made statements about this. I, I think uh, British writer C.S. Lewis, some of you are familiar with his great works, he said, where men are forbidden to honor a king, they, they, they honor millionaires, athletes, film stars instead, even famous prostitutes and gangsters. For spiritual, uh, for spiritual nature, like bodily nature, will be served. So in other words, what he's saying in his English way, and sometimes you have to interpret English ways because I'm married to an English person, so I understand this. For spiritual nature, there's something in us that says we must worship. And he goes on to, to say, uh, denying it food and it will gobble poison. In other words, if you're not worshiping God, you'll worship something. That makes sense? Worship is a mainstay of the ministry of Portland Christian Center. As long as I've been connected with it, there's something within our hearts we know that we are not just gathering as a group of people to pat each other on the back. We have walked into the presence of God and we have wanted to lift our voice. You see, this is, this is the key to a healthy church. And I've had the privilege to be in churches all over the world. In some cases, I don't know the language. 
I don't know the traditions. I don't even know the songs, but I know what it is to worship God. There's a difference, and it's the key to a healthy church. It's a key to a healthy church. Psalm 5, 7 says, because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Psalm 5, 7. Another psalm, 96, 9. In fact, most of the psalms have that worship theme. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. God made you. Some of you are discovering this. God made you to worship him. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. From sunrise to sunset, and even in the middle of the night, I will worship the Lord. I will worship the Lord at work. I will worship the Lord at school. I will worship the Lord in my home. I will worship the Lord in my leisure and in my fun, on the field, at the game, and yes, even in the battle. I can still worship in the battle. When things come at me, when my reputation is put on the line, when things are said about me, and, and I'm amongst friends here, but sometimes I'm not always, uh, there, I still can worship the Lord because he's still my Lord. Worship should be the first thing that happens when I wake up and the last thing that I do when I close my eyes because Jesus said the Father seeks that we would worship him in the spirit and in truth. The powerful expression of worship is a third thought that I have. And I draw your attention to another verse of scripture that ties all of this together. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Let us be thankful, the writer writes, and so worship God acceptable, acceptably with reverence and awe. Sometimes I try to make God at the level uh, that I can completely understand. I bring him into my world and I try to make him like me. And, and that's a mistake. I need to recognize that he is God, and I'm in awe of him. So when I first met Joy Wilson Price at the time, uh, I was quite young. I was 18, and uh, I don't think she really liked me. I don't know why. I don't know if it was the way I dressed or some of my habits or whatever. She didn't really care for me. She thought she knew me, but the more she got to know me, the less she liked me. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, that's what happened. But then finally, we, we got, fell in love. I, I, and uh, fell in love. We loved each other. And so I kept thinking of her all the time. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what it's like? to. I thought of her all the time. I thought of her in classroom, at work, wherever we went. I thought of you, Joy. And then she got this wonderful idea to go to Haiti for two months to be a missionary. And that meant we would be separated. And those were moments of testing if this was just an emotional feeling or if it was a deep, deep love. And I realized that I was abiding in her love even though she wasn't present. Real worship is about falling in love with Jesus. Even if you don't feel him, he's there and worshiping him. So I just want to give you four practical applications to say what really worship is in our everyday life. Number one, worship is by surrendering, by surrendering. Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of, your, of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
I've wondered why people struggle with worship, and then I realize the reason that I struggle with worship at times is, is because there's something I haven't surrendered to him. It's something that I haven't given to him, good, bad, or indifferent. I realize that worship is a surrender of who I am to who God is. Worship is an act of surrender. Worship is about opening up your life fully to God without reservation. Sometimes the things that get in the way, we call it stiff-arming God. You know what stiff-arming is in, in football or sports where you put your hand out to stop somebody from getting close to you. And oftentimes, in our closer walk with the Lord, we tend to stiff-arm God because of things that have happened in our lives. Sometimes we stiff-arm God because we have questions about things that we don't understand. Like, hey God, how about the dinosaurs? I don't get that. Or creation itself. Because we have some theological question that hasn't been resolved in our brain or in our mind, we stiff-arm God and we have question about truly surrendering our lives to him. Or we stiff-arm God because we've had a bad church experience. Every time God has started to move close, he, he begins to open up our, we begin to open up our hearts to him. And then something stops us because we remember what happened back in first church 18 years ago to Aunt B. And that experience wasn't pleasant. And so now we stiff arm God and we, we, we are telling him we, we've had a bad experience with your children. And so I'm not going to fully worship you. It's not a full surrender. We hold on to that. We stiff arm God sometimes because we've had a bad experience with another Christian in business. As your pastor on several occasions, in the room in the back, there were business people who did business together in the church and they didn't see eye to eye on how it turned out. And they would come in and we'd ask the Lord to help us resolve it. And sometimes that kept people from worshiping the Lord. You could see it on their face. You could see it in their experience. You could hear it in their, their voice. Those are sometimes things that we hesitate to surrender. Am I talking, am I talking to anybody this morning? Yes, Pastor Bill, you're talking right to my heart. Thank you. I receive it in Jesus' name. The stiff arm sometimes come between you and worship, and it robs the intimacy with you and God. It robs the intimacy. It short-circuits your worship. The woman thinks worship is about a ritual, and Jesus says, no, it's about a relationship. And part of that relationship is a willingness to surrender all to God. Here, here's the second thing. Worship by singing. Everybody say singing. singing. Psalm 122. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. As an overseer of nearly 200 churches, Joy and I generally travel to various churches. And after enjoying the exceptional music of Portland Christian Center for 20 plus years, and being in the presence of God without reservation, music that actually harmonized properly, music that actually was prepared in advance, music where everybody was on the, the same page, uh, I had an interesting awakening. Sometimes I concluded it was nothing more than joyful noise. I, I was willing to accept that, but it wasn't quite what I was expecting. One time, not long after leaving this wonderful church with all of its, its 
musical skills and listening this morning as we were worshiping and all these students singing at the top of their voice. I could hear them having more people in the room at the same time. I could hear the voices. And even sometimes we don't know all the words, but they're up there on the screen and we're worshiping the Lord. And I, I was energized. We went to a church. They had three guitar players, one keyboardist, and what I'll call a song leader, not a worship leader, a song leader. I say it on purpose. And I know I'm online, and I'm not going to mention the name of the church, so don't get nervous about that. Um, uh, the only thing they had in common was they had the same song. They had agreed on the same song. The guitar players were jamming away. They were actually, all of the guys on the stage that day on the guitar players were in their 70s or 80s, and they were all related. The, the keyboardist, she was playing with all of her might in a different key, and the song leader uh, was tone deaf and wasn't able to catch where they were going at the right time. And as I agonized through that morning saying, Lord, help me to be inspirational when I step to the pulpit. Help me to forget about this. The Lord reminded me, this isn't about how well the musicians are or how skilled they are. It's about worshiping me with all your might. It wasn't about how pleasant it was to me. It was how glorious it was to God because the people were worshiping the Lord. And I said, yeah, Lord, but I like it in the same key, all right? <laughs> music and love go together, right? And singing and music is part of worshiping God. It's been a tradition for years. Worship helps us set aside the busyness, the turmoil, and see the amazing God and draw close to him and see how he can heal our hurts in moments. You know, I have been in services in this room when people are physically healed why we're worshiping. I have been in this room, this very room, when people came to Jesus Christ without even hearing my sermon. They were taken by the presence of God through the people of God, worshiping in song. And this is what I love, because what happens is when we are in distress, we often pull away. And that's why I say, welcome home to a church that's going to worship God. That's what we're going to be known for. It's healthy for us to worship. And then in those worship moments, the pains and pressures and the burdens and the struggles of life, and they're real, are beginning to lift because we remember a little simple song that was written many years ago, I think back in 19, 2009 or something, How Great Is Our God. How Great Is Our God. A simple phrase over and over again, you begin to think, oh, it's not about Bill or it's not about those around me. It's about how great God is in song, in song. It's not about style, by the way. There's a, scores of styles. God created all music except rap. And, uh, you know, that's... <laughs> oh, I finally got a chuckle out of somebody. All right. Although I have to tell you, we have a pastor on the coast yeah, we have a pastor on the coast who is a fine rapper. He would have probably disagreed with that statement right there. He is an on-fire Christian guy, and he can rap one word after another, and I'm still trying to figure out how he rhymed all that stuff on the spot. I don't know. Um, he's worshiping God. I've told you about my grandma, Lidi. She was one of two children. When her, she was six years old, her mom died. Her brother was three. Her dad was a woodcutter. 
and Grandma Leedy, her dad said, you're in charge. Can you imagine telling a six-year-old little girl, her mom just died, you're in charge of the house, and he would be gone for weeks cutting wood, and the neighbors would check in on this little one. She went through a horrific childhood, married at a very young age, of course, to escape all of that, and uh, had 10 children. And uh, two of the children, one uh, died premature, well, both of them died prematurely in our time frame, one at 19 of a mysterious heart failure, and uh, then Billy, Billy, who I'm named after, Billy uh, accidentally playing with his kids, These, his friends hung himself. And the way she heard this news was the neighbor came over and said, Mrs. Leedy, Billy just died over there. He hung himself from a tree. There was no grace. There was no, hey, I'm bringing terrible news. That's just the way the culture. Uh, her husband worked for the railroad. All these kids, life was not easy. They weren't rich. The only bright light in her life was me and uh, with all her grandkids. And I remember waking up at their house no insulation in this old farmhouse. My grandfather always wanted a big ranch. He had the big ranch, but not much on the ranch. And uh, uh, he, um, they lived in this, they, they cooked everything on a wood stove. That's the way they heated the whole house. The kitchen was in the middle. And I would wake up in the middle, uh, in the morning to her singing. Her singing. And I asked myself as a boy, why is my grandmother singing? because life has been easy, because people like her, because she's not had any grief in her life. No, she was singing because God's great. She modeled for me and to this day, she probably never knows that. I mean, the house was so cold, you'd grab your clothes and run out and get dressed in the kitchen. I mean, it was that cold. And uh, there'd be like six blankets piled on top of you at night to keep you warm. I, who knows why they lived that way, but all I can say is the song kept going. And people who worship God sing. People who worship God share. Second Timothy 1.8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Not being ashamed to share the love of Christ that you have is an act of worship. When you talk to that person, your friend, your buddy, your fellow coworker, your neighbor, whatever, you are worshiping God. Did you know that? When you're sharing the love of Jesus through a smile, through a 20% a, a tip instead of a 5% tip, uh, through a conversation, you are worshiping God. I always have so many illustrations, Joyce, that you don't need to tell them all, but I just want to tell you, you never know. Leroy and Priscilla are our neighbors, Gary and Lisa, who live on the other side. Uh, I've got Christian neighbors here, and I've got I'm not sure on this side. Fortunately, you're on this side. Okay, so that's good. So, for, so our neighbors, Gary and Lisa, they, they, uh, they have a property in Arizona. They go there for maybe five, six months a year. And uh, just last week, I saw them walking down the street with their dog, and I thought, what are they doing here? I'm surprised to see them. So I get out of my car, and I said, hey, Gary and Lisa, how you doing? And they kind of didn't say much. They looked at me and I said, welcome back to the rain. And then I heard a little mumble and I walked up closer and she said, we're here because my mother died. And then she began to weep. Now they know what I do. Their background, their story. 
I will just say that they used to be in the ministry, but they were deeply hurt. They were deeply hurt, moved from another state, and ended up living next to me. When I found that out, I said, Gary, God had this all planned for you to live next to a pastor. God hasn't forsaken you. Thank you, Bill. And in that moment, it was a perfect time for me to put my arms around them. As Gary's crying now, and I said, you know, God hasn't forsaken you. Would you mind if I prayed for you? They said, we would like that. I felt like I was worshiping God. This wasn't about how great I was, or I felt like it was a God moment. What would you do? You're worshiping God when you share hope. I've missed so many opportunities. I've missed it. I've gotten in my car and said, why didn't you pray? The other day I called somebody and the phone in the car and Joy's with me. And at the end I said, hey, I'll see you later. And Joy said, well, why didn't you pray for them? I said, you're right. And in that moment, I was worshiping God. You worship God when you share your faith. When you pray with people and encourage them and smile, you may not have that kind of moment, but you worship God. Finally, worship God by serving. Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3. The good news is I'm going to be done before noon. Everybody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm worshiping you right now. Bill's going to be done soon. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God, the Father, through him. You are worshiping God when you serve him. Those of you who were at the door this morning, there was a buzz in the room. I'm walking around in the lobby. There are people teaching classes. I stepped into the new young marriage class that we have now, marriage class that we have at 9 o'clock now, taught by the Joneses, and I could just see that room. This is, this is going to explode. There are people who are going to come and say, help us know how to be married. Help us to, these are the things. And I looked and I said, these folks are worshiping God. They're worshiping God. Hallelujah. Being fully committed. Choosing to grow spiritually. Using the talents and gifts that God has given you and bless others is called worship. There was a man in this church who served as the chief chef of this church for years. His name was Pete Vetch. How many of you remember Pete? His son sitting right down here, Ed, sitting next to his wife, Barbara. Pete and Bernie Vetch. I met Pete when I was 18 years old. I was on a choir tour and we came to the church that used to be on 20th and Madison and we went downstairs. That's where I first met him because he was the chef and he cooked a fabulous meal for all of the students that were on that tour. And I remember I was sitting with the pastor, Jim Swanson at the time, family acquaintance, and he came over and sat right down and said, Pastor, is everything okay? He was worshiping God. He was not a soloist. There were a lot of things that Pete would say he couldn't do, but he could worship the Lord in serving. One time he walked into my office Passed all of the secretaries, didn't even stop and talk to Joanne or whoever was out front and sat down. I was writing some notes. I looked up and there he was sitting in front of me. I said, well, hello, Pete. How are you? He said, fine, Pastor. I got to tell you something. I said, well, what's that? He said, I just bought a $4,000 refrigerator for the kitchen. I said, well, 
I said, Pete, uh, there's a process we need to go through to purchase things of that magnitude at the church. Oh, no, 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 don't worry. I got it all covered. I've got all the money already. I've already talked to several people, and they're going to give money to pay for it. So you don't have to worry about a thing. I just thought probably you should know that we're getting a $4,000 fridge. <laughs> and pastor, it's the best. It's the best. That man worshiped the Lord hour by hour, never paid a penny to serve here. He came and he served meals, same meal every time, but he served meals. <laughs> you want string beans or green beans? You want mashed potatoes or baked potatoes? It was fabulous. I, I, the reason I bring him up, he's gone to be with the Lord. Both of them went to be with the Lord. They're, they're enjoying first-class service in, in heaven today, I'm sure. The reason I bring it up is he wasn't a soloist. He wasn't a preacher. He was a servant of God who worshiped the Lord with a gift that he had. That's true worship. That's what makes churches strong. That's what makes churches healthy. When people worship the Lord with the gifts and talents that they they have. Why am I telling you all of this? I want Portland Christian Center to be a healthy church. God is moving in the city of Portland in great ways. You know that there are thousands of people who are gathering in various locations in Portland praying for a spiritual awakening. Do you know that there are many in this church that have prayed collectively and individually? God work in our midst. I can't help but believe that God's leading us into a great spiritual awakening and a great revival in the greatest years in a time of history where we need God to meet us. I would alert you to the fact that the devil will do whatever he can to disrupt the move of God. And we must be on our, our, our uh, awareness. We must be alert to the fact that the devil would like us to get distracted with things that are not significant in the kingdom of God. Healthy churches, yes, go through times and seasons, but let me assure you that God desires us to be healthy in worshiping Him. So, Pastor Jason, I'm sitting on the platform. I knew what was going to come. And Pastor Dealey Roy Sanders turned and said, Bill, come and lead the people in this song. And I looked around, and there were no musicians. So that means, what do, what do they call it? Acapella. Now here was my strategy, because when I opened up the book and found the number and looked at the song, I've been in church all my life and I did not know the song. I don't ever remember hearing the song. I, Pastor Ron, who's sitting down here, would tell you, Bill Wilson has a lot of gifts, but he's not a good sight reader. His voice is amazing, but if he could only read the notes, he would be really good. So when I'm looking, here was my strategy. You'd appreciate this, Ron. <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> my strategy was, if I could get everybody to, if I could say the first word and try to find that, that A chord and say the first word out loud, the audience would break out into song and everybody would carry it and I would catch the tune and I would get on board, right? So I said, in the old-fashioned way, let's stand to our feet. Let's lift our voices. Everybody on the very first word, let's sing all together. All total silence. There were a thousand people there, and I 
Nobody. I tried to get, I even tried to go to the next word, the next uh, bridge of music, uh, you know, the notes and all that stuff that people like you know about. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, nothing. So I stopped. I turned to the pastor and I said, now I, let's start over again. Let's, I want everybody, I don't want anybody not singing with me. Everybody singing on the first note. Same results. You know, when you're 23 years old and this is a job and your boss has just asked you to take us into glory after his great sermon and you're on the road to the wrong direction and you are thinking, how can I pull this off? I tried it a third time and it still died. To which one of the other guys on the platform thought, this is my opportunity to show Wilson that he doesn't know what he's doing. He jumped up and said, pastor, I'll do it. I'll take over. So he stepped up and the same thing happened to him the first time. And finally, they sang the song. From then on, Jason, I sat on the platform because we didn't have the pre-meetings and any of that. We just went out when it was time with the songbook in my hand, trying to guess what song the pastor might sing at the end. I also went to the, the keyboardist who was at Denny's drinking coffee and said, listen, I don't know if they pay you or not, but you cannot leave me out there hanging. <laughs> Anna Snyder used to save my bacon many, many times when I'd start in and she could figure out what it was and save me. Sherry Craigrude, Cheryl Cochran, a lot of them just saved my bacon. My point is when I was all said and done, that wasn't worship. Worship comes from the heart. You are gonna have mistakes. You're gonna have problems like that. But God said, God is spirit and his worshipers will worship him in the spirit and in truth. We are wired to worship God. Let's stand together, shall we? I'm gonna ask Jason to come and lead us in song 325. <laughs> all right, let's go to, so yeah. Let's go to somebody who knows what they're doing, all right? the name of all names that nothing can stand against I choose to praise to glorify glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against I will and yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will Bless your name, yes I will, sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days, oh yes I will, for all my days, oh yes I will. Lift your hand toward heaven. Father, we thank you that you are the God who created the heavens and the earth. You're the God that is able to do the impossible. You're the God that heals our hearts, strengthens us. You're the God that provides. You're the God that's the great creator that created us. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We lift your name above every name. We declare that you're great and greater 
And I pray over this church this morning that you will help us to be a healthy church, help us to be a worshiping church, help us to lift our voices in praise and adoration to you, for you are the Lord of this church. It is your church, not my church, not the board's church, not individual's church. It's your church, and we give you praise for it. And thank you for letting us be a part of it. If you're here this morning and you would like prayer, you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to have Chip lead this one more time. I'd like you to find the nearest aisle and just come right down here. Share your need with those who are here in the front to pray with you. Just say, I need prayer for this. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to get back on track. Whatever it might be, you need healing in your body. These prayer warriors, and what I mean by that is they know how to pray effectively, and they want to join you in your prayer and uh, let the God of miracles work in your life. So let's sing it one more time. Team, come and stand here. Find the nearest aisle. Come and let them pray with you, and then I'll give you a final blessing. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in your coming and going. When you walk through those doors, may you know you don't go by yourself. He goes with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com. Or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.